hello everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605 692 1430. 605 692 1430. With us today is Prairie Doc Jill Cruz. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with Brookings Health System and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. And also joining us today in the studio is Dr. Nephi Jones. Dr. Jones' specialty is podiatry and wound care. Good morning, Dr. Jones. Good morning. Thank you for being here with us today, both of you. Appreciate it. Dr. Jones, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you ended up in Brookings. Well, uh, originally my wife and I are both from Iowa. Uh, She's from the northeast part of the state. I'm from the southwest part of the state. Just I-29 straight south for about four hours, and that's home for me. Um, I went to medical school in Chicago. Uh, and then we did residency in Des Moines and uh, looking for jobs. We wanted a small community. Mm-hmm. Um, we went and we interviewed for several places, one out in Billings, Montana and Omaha and um, Brookings. And, and we just fell in love with this community and the school districts here. And we were just really excited to, to be offered this position here. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. When did you move to Brookings? We got here um, at the end of July, and then I started practice uh, August 16th. All right. Very good. And you you mentioned the school district. Do you have children? Yes. Yes. Okay. We have have four total. Our oldest, she's at Iowa State University. Um, She's also in the Iowa National Guard. And then we have a uh, 14-year-old daughter. She's at the high school. We have a 12-year-old son at the middle school. And then we have an 8-year-old daughter at Madari. All so right. We got all most of the schools covered. Yeah, so you have multiple <laughs> drop-offs and coordinating to pick yes, up and all yes. that. So I can relate to that. Very good. Well, we are happy to have you here in Brookings and serving our community. Uh, now you are a podiatrist. Correct. Could you explain to our listeners today what a podiatrist is? So uh, a podiatrist um, is basically a, a specialist in foot and ankle health. Um, we specialize in soft tissue care from the knee down and then osseous or bone healing from uh, the ankle down um, so it's you know just a, a well-rounded area of, of foot and ankle care basically um, we do a lot of surgery there's a lot of uh, surgical procedures that we perform so most people think about podiatry they think about trimming toenails and things but there's so much more to podiatry than than just routine foot care. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a lot of surgical needs that people need that we can provide. Excellent. Very good. Well, this morning on our Prairie Doc radio show, we plan to talk more about podiatry and wound care. And we also have news about our COVID-19 booster shots and some um, opportunities to get those in the near future for folks. So uh, we have a lot to cover today. We're going to go to our first break shortly. But if you have any questions regarding any of those topics or any other medical topic, I know Dr. Cruz and Dr. Jones would be happy to answer those questions. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605 692 
1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Academic success is an excellent indicator for the overall well-being of youth and a primary predictor and determinant of adult health outcomes. Leading national education organizations recognize the close relationship between health and education, as well as the need to foster health and well-being within the educational environment for all students. If you find your student struggling with classwork, seek help early. The school counselors may be able to direct you to a tutor to help the student stay on course. Also talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to have your student's health evaluated. There is a variety of issues that be, could be causing the poor grades, such as poor sleep or attention deficit disorder. Call today for an appointment, 605-697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and with us today we have Dr. Jill Cruz and Dr. Nephi Jones here to answer our medical questions. You can give us a call at 605-692-1430. We did get a question, couple of questions about COVID-19 um, vaccines and boosters. So we're going to dive into those in a moment. But before we do, we wanted to highlight that there are some opportunities to sign up for your booster shots at the Swiftel Center. You all may recall, as we talked about, oh, I suppose six months or so ago, there were a number of PODs or points of dispensing or pods that you may have heard about where um, there Many hundreds of people could go out to the Swift Health Center to get their COVID-19 vaccines. And so they're offering a similar opportunity now to get your booster shots. And so that will be on November 1st and November 2nd. So uh, November 1st from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and November 2nd, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And these events will be at the Swift Health Center. And if you're interested in signing up for that, you can learn more at brookingshealth.org backslash POD or call 605-692-2811. Dr. Cruz, who are the eligible recipients for a COVID-19 booster? So the eligible recipients are generally people that were first in line to get it uh, when the vaccine first came out. So those 65 and older, those 18 and older with underlying medical conditions, asthma, diabetes, obesity, and those 18 years of age or older who work or live in high risk settings, um, healthcare workers, teachers, grocery store workers, people where you've got lots of contact with the general public or people who are you know high risk, um, of being in contact with people who are sick with COVID. So again, you know, nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists, pretty much if you work at a hospital or some healthcare setting, you're eligible. Um, for those, we do recommend that it, um, anyone who received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, uh, if it's been more than two months, anyone over the age of 18 um, should be eligible to get a booster. You don't have to be in that high risk group for the Johnson & Johnson because we're finding it was a one shot. It didn't give quite as much immunity as we were hoping to. So anyone who got Johnson & Johnson, you are eligible for a booster two months or more after you received your initial shot. 
Okay, excellent. There are a variety of circumstances and variables when it determines, like, do I qualify or not? So uh, if you have questions about that for your unique situation, um, you know, I'd say give that phone number a call or look on the Brookings Health website. That phone number is 605-692-2811. But it sounds like if you were kind of in that first wave to get your vaccines when they first became available, then uh, then this is you. This is pretty much you or yes. if you work in the healthcare or, you know, again, teachers, grocery store workers, anywhere where you're around a lot of people, um, you should be eligible. And, you know, it's not like we're going to say, oh, my gosh, let me see your medical record. And, oh, you don't you're not sick enough. You don't qualify. You know, we take you at your word. If you feel that you need it, we're not going to be, you know, picky, nitpicky and say, oh, I'm sorry, you're only 64 and a half. You know, right. Get out of here. So if you feel that you're concerned and you're eligible, you know, that's good enough for me. Yes. OK. And a question from a caller. How long can you go between a COVID-19 shot and booster? Is there a certain amount of time to wait? So for the Johnson & Johnson, it's two months. For uh, COVID and Moderna, I believe the recommendations is six months. Okay. So All right. that's what uh, my understanding is. And of course, things change. Yes. But at this current time, that's the understanding. So six months since you finished your other dose, if it was, if it was the, the Pfizer or Moderna, yep. and then if, if it was, it was single. Johnson, two months. All right. Thank you. And then when you, another question was, uh, when you get the booster shot, will there be any side effects? Um, Just like the first two. I I had already had my third. Okay. So I've gotten my booster and it really was no different than the first or the second for me. Actually, it was milder than either of those. So I really didn't have as brisk of an immune response, which is, it makes sense because my body's already gone through this vaccine twice and it kind of has already seen this vaccine and knows what to do with it. So, um, you know, the first time you kind of expect a good response. The second time you're like, whoa, you know, really good response. And the third time it's like, yeah, we kind of know what we're doing here. So my body didn't really have any, out of the three shots, that was the easiest one. I didn't even notice my flu shot was more noticeable. Mm-hmm. for me this year so um same risks as with the first two so really nothing changes okay all right well once again if you want to get your um, COVID-19 booster shot you can sign up at brookingshealth.org or call 605-692-2811 to go to that event on November 1st or November 2nd now if we miss those events or you're not available those dates to go get your boosters then you should reach out to your local clinic or pharmacy to see about the best way to schedule or go in for that booster shot so now is the time for those of you who were in that first wave uh, for the booster shot Well, I think we'll go to our next break now. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. As we return, we'll dive into what podiatry covers and wound care. So if you have questions, give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Skin cancer is the most common cancer in the United States. 
unprotected skin can be damaged by the sun's UV rays in less than 15 minutes. Even if it's cool and cloudy, you still need protection. UV rays, not the temperature, do the damage. Anyone can get skin cancer, but some things put you at higher risk. The most common signs of skin cancer are changes on your skin, such as a new growth, a sore that doesn't heal, or a change in a mole. Tips to avoid skin cancer include stay in the shade, especially during the late morning through mid-afternoon, apply sunscreen and reapply every two hours. SPF of 30 or greater is recommended. Have your skin checked regularly and have it checked by a professional at your wellness checks. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Dr. Jill Cruz and Dr. Nephi Jones here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. And thank you for all the questions you've been sending in and calling in today. We appreciate that. We're going to switch gears a little now. We were talking about COVID-19 boosters and how those um, are available, and it's time to sign up to get one of those if you qualify for that. But we have Dr. Jones here, our podiatrist, and we have questions for him. Dr. Jones, is surgery often recommended for plantar fasciitis, and why? Excellent question. Um, First of all, as a foot and ankle surgeon, surgery should be the last option for anything. So we always try to treat things conservatively first, and if we can't get it controlled that way, then then we'll dive into surgery. So the easy answer is no. It is not recommended as the first choice for plantar fasciitis, and it's often not necessary. There's a majority of, of things that we do prior to, to talking about surgery. Um, the big thing is that plantar fascia, the, that bottom ligament on, on your foot, becomes tight over time, and as, as we're sleeping at night, um, it kind of contracts, and then when we get up in the morning and we step on it, that's when we, we really feel that first pain because we're stretching that ligament for the first time in the morning, and that's where the pain is. So stretching becomes a, a big issue for people. They need to do lots and lots of stretching. The other thing is they often get a tight Achilles tendon, and that Achilles tendon actually pulls against the plantar fascia. So when that Achilles tendon gets tight, uh, that plantar fascia gets tighter as well, and we get a lot of inflammation along there. So a lot of times, if people can't do stretching on their own, we send them to physical therapy um, and have their different modalities they can use to help um, get them stretched out enough to, to relieve that pressure. And then shoe gear. A lot of people don't wear the right shoe gear. They don't wear supportive shoe gear. And then even when they do get the right shoes, you still need a good insert to help support the arch to take the pressure off that plantar fascia. And so we always recommend a good insole. Uh, The insoles that come in shoes when you buy them aren't supportive. They're just more for style and cushion. Um, So you actually need something that's firm. A lot of people think they need soft or a gel cushion. Um, You actually need support. So you need a firm insole. Um, and then once we address those things, then we, we sometimes do corticosteroid injections. That's, that's kind of our third tier is where we start getting into injections. And many times that cures the issue. But you still have to continue with good supportive shoes and inserts and stretching once we get it under control. Otherwise, it can flare back up. I think I've heard of people sleeping with certain boots yes. or something on too. To, is that related to this? Yes. Or- um, 
they're called night splints. Um, okay. You can find them on Amazon. I think Walmart here even sells them. Um, what the goal of a night splint is actually to stretch, to do that stretching for you while you sleep. Okay. Um, some people don't like to wear them because they're uncomfortable while you sleep, and they get caught on your blankets and sheets and things. But the the purpose of those is to, is to stretch you while you're sleeping, which helps your plantar fascia. So. There are devices like that out there. I do recommend if, if people can tolerate them, they can try those for sure. Mm-hmm. So if someone has plantar fasciitis, it is good to come in and maybe talk through some options and solutions. And Yes. Um, it, it's good to get that diagnosis to make sure that's what it is because sometimes it can be other issues. Um, you can have an entrapped nerve that simulates um, plantar fasciitis. Um, you can have... Oh, tendonitis in that area from different tendons because you have a flat foot that could mimic mimic plantar fasciitis so um, it's good to come in and get checked out to make sure that's what it is to make sure you're treating the right the right pathology okay you mentioned a little bit the importance of good shoes um i am one who likes comfortable shoes but occasionally i'm forced to wear (laughs) maybe a dress shoe or something you know, we were just talking last night, actually talking about an event we might want to go to. And my thought was, well, if I'm going to walk to it, what shoes do I wear that I still look nice? So yes. um, that's important to me. But uh, I, I notice when I'm not wearing the right shoes, how that affects our whole body. So talk to us a little bit more about the importance of, of our shoes and how that affects us over time. Yes, shoes are extremely important because they, they are what help disperse our, the ground reactive forces on our feet and then up the kinetic chain through our knees and our hips. Um, a, a good supportive shoe is, is a, a shoe you can't bend in half. There's shoes out there, that running style shoes, where you can pick them up and you can fold them in half and put them in your pocket. That is not a good supportive shoe. Um, y- you need something that's, that's rigid. Um, but a lot of those back in the day weren't stylish, so people didn't like those. So they wanted... They wanted the the stylish looking shoes, which just aren't supportive. Um, it's also hard to find a good, comfortable dress shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's some that's that's an area that that marketing could get into <laughs> is, is find a good supportive shoe that's comfortable, right? But it, it's stylish it, for for dressing up. I'm wearing my tennis <laughs> shoes right now. Yes. I love my tennis <laughs> shoes, but uh, yes, when you were trying to make that. So, uh, and it feels like we often have to spend more money when we uh, want a good supportive shoe as well. So it's always that kind of, how often am I going to wear this? What's the investment yes. worth? And uh, there, there are a, a lot of good supportive shoes out there that are, you know, $50, $60. Okay. As opposed to the two, $300 shoes, which mm-hmm. I talk to my patients all the time. I'm not going to spend $200 on a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. This is the brand that I recommend that are just as supportive. But the other caveat to that is you have to have a good insert because mm-hmm. shoes wear out fast. And so you can buy a cheaper good supportive shoe, but you still need that good insert in there and it helps reduce the wear of that shoe and gives you good support. Now you mentioned a good insert. How do we know what a good insert is? Is that something you advise people on or do they go shop for one? Or what if we decide, yes, I want to invest in a good insert to support me. How do I get the right one for me? Excellent question. Power step inserts um, are a cheap over-the-counter insert. I shouldn't say cheap, but they're okay. inexpensive inserts. Comparatively, I suppose. To, to custom inserts. Custom inserts can be three to $500, where oh. power step inserts are 35 to $40. And they're a rigid device. You hold it in your hand, you're like, why would I want to step on this rigid device? Um, as opposed to the, the gel inserts. 
because it's actually supporting your joints and your bones and all your ligaments. And so when you're looking for inserts, you want something that, again, like with your shoes, you can't bend and fold in half, and, and it, it gives you support. And so um, Power Steps inserts are, are a good rigid device that um, I would definitely recommend to most of my patients. Okay. All right. Talk to us about gout. We have a um, person interested in learning more about gout and how, what is gout and how do we treat it? So, and prevent it. Yeah. Gout. Um, I hope I never get gout. It's, it's a very painful pathology. Um, it's a buildup of uric acid crystals. That once your uric acid level reaches a th- certain threshold in your bloodstream, it starts to deposit in areas of, of the body, especially around joints. It can deposit around tendons. Typically, we see it in the big toe joint. Um, it forms around the sides of the joint. So the joint becomes red, hot, and swollen, and it's excruciatingly painful. These patients, some patients say, I, I just want my foot cut off. It hurts so bad. Mm. Um, so a lot of, once you develop gout, start getting gout, it, it comes down to diet control and, and sometimes medication to help prevent it, um, gout flares. Um, so a lot of it is education on diet. What are the things that we're eating that cause increased uric acid levels in our body, as well as um is our body excreting it enough so some people don't excrete it their kidneys don't excrete it enough so it hangs around and then deposits in areas and other people they just overproduce they produce too much uric acid and so there's different medications to help control those levels and once we get that under control you you should have fairly few gout flares so if you've experienced gout it could um it could be reversed or slowed down uh it's that may, I don't know if I'm looking for the curable, but you can prevent You can the prevent future attacks or okay. flare-ups mm-hmm. um, if you can understand why you're, you're getting the gout flares, mm-hmm. if, it's, if it's your diet or if it's because your body's not excreting it. There's, there's ways to treat it to prevent future gout flares and the severity. Um, it typically, um, the more gout flares you have, the worse they become, and then you start leading to, to joint erosion and arthritis in joints and things. Um, to where we have to do surgery to correct that problem. Okay. Let's transition a bit to wound care. Uh, it seems like podiatry and wound care go hand-in-hand. Uh, hand. Dr. Cruz, I loved your essay this week on Henry the yes. Eighth. That was fantastic. Tell us about Henry the Eighth and his so, wound care. Yes, Henry had lots of wound problems, and a lot of it started with after a jousting accident that he had. Um, and ended up uh, breaking several bones in his leg. He was unconscious for two hours. They weren't sure he was going to survive. Anne Boleyn got so upset that she miscarried her son, her heir that she was supposed to give Henry, and then she ends up in the Tower of London a few days later and, and then eventually beheaded. So, I mean, this, this whole injury, like, started, changed the course of history. Uh, but then after that, basically the last 20 years of his life, he had these festering ulcers that would just open up and drain. And they would try to lance them. They'd try to put in herbs and poultices. And they did everything they had with the medicine at the time, but they could never get him to heal. And uh, definitely um, they said his uh, wounds were so foul that you could smell him two rooms away. Ugh. So people knew when he was coming Ugh. that because it was so rancid. Um, from all of the, the pus and drainage from it. So obviously I, I can see why he would be an angry, bitter man who liked to cut people's heads off because right. <laughs> so, he was in constant pain. So it, the, I got to share my love of wound care with my love of history and, and kind of talk about that with today's essay. So. Excellent. 
So, Dr. Jones, what would we do today to, to help uh, with wound care and help uh, uh, not be in that situation? A likely non-healing diabetic <laughs> ulcer. Yes. Wound care is very tricky. It mm-hmm. is a very tricky um, process to go through. It, it's very dynamic. It changes. It can change weekly. Um, there's many different products out there to use on wounds, and and you really have to understand, first of all, what's causing the wound. Mm-hmm. Why why did you develop this wound? Is it an arterial issue? Is it a blood sugar issue? Is it a, a bone issue? Is, it, is there a prominent bone there that we need to remove or something? And then is there infection? And so then you have to think about what type of products do we put on this? Do they need IV antibiotics? And then we get into you know, CT scans and MRIs and bone scans and, and then um, negative uh, pressure therapy, wound back therapy um, to try to heal these wounds. Uh, it's, it changes weekly on your patients. You, you see um, what's working, what's not working, and you have to be fluid with it. And, and it's, it's fun, it's exciting, but it's, it's a long process for a lot of these patients. Hmm. All right. So if you... When is it time to be like, you know, I should probably go in and have this looked at. Uh, this isn't healing the way I want. When is it time to say, this might need some assistance? I would say a majority of, of the patients who are, you know, 60 or older that get a wound and it's still there in a week or they have comorbidities, they're diabetics, they have heart disease, they have lung disease, they have major medical problems. Those are, those are the people that should get in sooner than later. Okay. Um, Typically, wounds can, if you know, it's a superficial wound that you know why it caused. You got a blister from your new shoes, and it goes away in a, in a week. You should be okay. But if you have medical problems, you know, you should, you should get in sooner than later just to be sure, just to get on our radar to say mm-hmm. we need to keep watching this. Mm-hmm. Right. Excellent advice. Well, it's time for us to go to our last break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. If you have arthritis, participating in joint-friendly physical activity can improve your arthritis pain, function, mood, and quality of life. Joint-friendly physical activities are low-impact, which means that they put less stress on the body, reducing the risk of injury. Examples of joint-friendly activities include walking, biking, and swimming. Being physically active can also delay the onset of arthritis-related disabilities and help people with arthritis manage other chronic conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to learn more about managing arthritis. Call for an appointment at 605-697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we've had Dr. Jill Cruz and Dr. Nephi Jones here to answer our medical questions. And thank you so much to our listeners who did call in and write in with your questions. We appreciate those. We've been discussing COVID-19 boosters, and we've been talking about podiatry issues and wound care issues. And uh, Dr. Cruz, tell us a little bit about the television show you have planned that you're hosting tomorrow night. Yes, so we will be talking about wound care, so those sores that just won't heal. And we've got some great guests. Dr. Jones will be there with me, and then uh, via Skype we will have 
Dr. Katherine Lincoln. She's a wound care specialist. That's all she does um, out in Philadelphia. And she will be uh, talking with us about kind of other modalities that she uses, again, with like wound vax, hyperbaric oxygen. Um, you know, there's all sorts of interesting stuff you can do with wound care. Medi honey, uh, maggots, leeches. I mean, there's all sorts of things that are crazy. It is a whole nother world of medicine that um, most people, thankfully, don't have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, it's, it's a marathon watching these, you know, and a lot of times we'll get surgeons involved to debride wounds, sometimes plastic surgeons for reconstruction. And, um, you know, it is a marathon, but it is very fulfilling and satisfying when you see those chronic wounds finally heal up mm-hmm. and get better. So mm-hmm. Excellent. it should be an interesting show. Awesome. Well, if you want to tune in for that tomorrow night, October 27th, it'll be Prairie Doc Jill Cruz hosting Dr. Katherine Lincoln of Guthrie Medical Group, Pennsylvania, and Dr. Nephi Jones with Avera Orthopedics in Brookings as they discussed wound care. And that will be on SDPB at 7 p.m. Central or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. And for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz and Dr. Nephi Jones for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.